Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa, founder of RamNation.com. I'm joined here by Mike Rowe, Cam's Chorizo, and Joseph Barron here today, at least for a, a little while, what aka up? Joey B, the real AD, or uh, what's your uh, what's your nickname on uh, the Tony Bruno I'm, show? I, I, I did the I'm, I'm COVID plus nineteen pounds. Joey Binocco. Yeah, I'm you, Joey Joey Binocco or Binocco. Yeah. Right. That, that was my five minutes of fame this past month, Denzians. I made an appearance on the uh, Tony Bruno show. First time, long time. You know what I'm saying, Ken Lamessa? First, did, did, you say, uh, did you say, all right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to hang up and listen? I hate when people do that. <laughs> Dude, I, sh- I shot one tweet to him and he replied to me. One tweet ever, Joey. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mike. Yeah, Tony didn't like Mike's uh, tweet back to him. So the Tony Bruno show, it's out of his basement in Philadelphia. And he just signed on with Sirius FM or Sirius XM. XM. 211. Yeah, channel 211. Yeah, the Dan Patrick channel. I guess, you know, back in his heyday, back in the 90s, when he was hosting shows on ESPN and still doing his uh, radio show. Premier radio. Yeah, all that. Yeah, Yeah, he he had, I mean, I don't don't know if I'm overblown, but he had well over a million listeners um, or, you know, close to it. You know, and he was a national radio show, and he had you know national guys on, and um, but anyway, now he does a show out of his basement in Philadelphia, and he redid his basement into a studio. It's absolutely beautiful, and his uh, his wife, partner, girlfriend, whoever she is, Robin Austin, and then Harry Mays, um, another Philadelphia guy. They have a a show, and they have like three or four guys that work on staff with them, and all out of Philadelphia and he goes out to a national audience. He has great guests. And, you know, I, I listened to him back when three Ram Knight and I were roommates back in college, back in the uh, um, early nineties. And then, um, you know, then he started to hit it big, but he was just, he was just a really fun show. It's an East coast thing. You know, he does the whole shtick. And then, uh, but yesterday um, I called into one of their things called the strapper line. And um, the day before, um, randomly, they had they read an they they read an article they read an article from uh, from Colorado State Vet School because they they do all types of topics. It's not it's not just sports, you know. He does just you know whatever he does politics, and then he just does um, a miscellaneous menu of stuff. But talking about animals and cats and yada yada yada. So anyway, the article that they referenced and they were talking about. They said Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado. So anyway, that prompted me to be one of the, you know, the dumbasses that calls in, you know, one of the losers sitting at home working and called in uh, to one of their, uh, like you leave a voicemail and then they rate it or whatever, kind of like the Rome thing, the smack off. And that yeah, kind of stuff. that was just on but, Friday. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and they were talking about that. And some of Rome's callers are part of the Tony Bruno show as well. So anyway, my show, my uh, call, it got racked on there, whatever they, they rack on me, whatever. Right. But then about five, 10 minutes later, they had one of their interns on and I kind of ragged on the intern a little bit. And uh, it was a joke about French Lick, Indiana. And uh, the intern, he's from Indiana. And, but he never, he didn't know what French Lick, Indiana was. Obviously, with the sports tie-in, that's where Larry Bird is from. Right. And he didn't understand. He didn't know where French Wick was. So I wrote a little tidbit saying, "I think the kid thinks uh, that French Wick is a porn movie." And, then, <laughs> and so that because he's a young kid, he doesn't really understand the whole old school uh, NBA. Anyway, it got them all going. So anyway, 
Um, yeah, my five minutes of fame on national radio. How about it that? was but good, Joey. You can I, catch I you can catch Joey if you go to uh, uh, YouTube and look for the Tony Bruno show. Yeah, it's in the third it's in the segment. Last, yeah, the third segment. It's like two hour twenty five minutes. Yeah, two hour and thirty. Yeah, two hours and a half. It was the last half hour of the show where I kind of kind of got some run there. But anyway, I introduced Fort Collins, Colorado, and all that stuff. But anyway, the tie-in. I'm trying to get Adazio on that show because he's a Temple guy. And so was Tony Bruno and trying to get a Dazio, trying to get those guys to get a Dazio uh, on the show there. So there you go. Very cool. Get it done, Joe. You should be, uh, you should be coach Dazio's. I'll be his his, uh, assistant. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, guys, we got a cool show coming up. Uh, Joe, I know you won't be here for the uh, the talk with uh, coach white, but we got, CSU senior associate football head coach and running backs coach Brian White joining us. Just love the way he's so active on Twitter and social media and the way he promotes our school and, and the football program. And, you know, he's big on the hashtag wake up ramen and uh, just always showing himself around town and visiting new spots. And uh, just Mike and I talked about this on last week's podcast his uh, Rocky Mountain Ram burgers, uh, his recipe for that and all the different things he does. Uh, grilling meats and stuff so Mike's Mike's a uh, fanboy here so it's going to be really cool having him on talking football talking cooking uh he'll join us in a little bit but uh and Joey before we get into some real stuff I know you you had your first foray into youth baseball your, your son's big into hockey so you're you're well versed yeah. into the craziness of youth sports but baseball's another another ball game it's just it's nuts isn't it yeah, I don't know how you Denzians do it who are parent coaches. And, you know, I've been helping my, – my kid is still – he's in that – he's going to be 11 in September, but he's still in that 10 and under age group. And, um, you know, the, the hockey stuff, you know, again, just growing up playing hockey, I'm used to that, and baseball. But I – obviously being a first-time parent with a 10-year-old boy, um, I helped them – I helped out the other coaches um, for the last three or four years from T-ball – all the way up to this year. And then I kind of stepped aside and uh, this team, you know, it's more of an intermediate team in Fort Collins baseball club. And they have like five or six parents coaching. I think it's a little overkill to be honest with you, but it yeah. is what it is. But, um, you know, talking to you, Joel, I, yeah, too many chiefs and you know, too many cooks in the kitchen to be honest with you. So, um, but you know, my thing was when I was helping the kids like in T-ball I was kind of like, you know, I was trying to coach the kids the way I was coached, kind of hands-on a little bit and, um, you know, kind of positioning them in, in the uh, batter's box and telling them to kind of relax and breathe and be in rhythm with the, you know, with the pitcher or whatnot once the father started pitching. But I don't know, I, I don't know if it, and I'll ask Mike and you this, but, and maybe I'm just being too old school. I'm like, you know, Mr. Butterworth here the uh, coach from uh, Bad News Bears with the Schlitz and the Marlboro. <laughs> but, you know, it, it seems to me there's so many kids now with the video games, and the, a lot of them do it a lot, and they're not outside the way we were because no. we never really had video games or even cable TV. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we had Atari Jersey. and Nintendo. Yeah, but, you know, it Sega, wasn't as – But you still had to get together with other kids to play. It wasn't online, right? And, right. you know, anyway, the, the social aspect of being together on a team – and, um, you know, just doing all that, uh, I just, just like throwing a ball, catching a ball, having the basic principles of the, ba- the basic knowledge of baseball. We, we got that in somebody's backyard or just playing pickup ball. A lot of these kids don't have the opportunity, um, at least 
where we live here in Fort Collins, a lot of them don't really get together. It always has to be an organized you know, thing. You, you know, don't see and, kids out playing well, with a ball anymore, do you? Yeah, so that, I, I just I, I, I miss of, seeing that, you know? That has as much to do with parents. You know, kids are so scheduled. It's like everything. Okay, Monday you have – you, you have piano Tuesday. You have this. Yeah, Wednesday, yeah, you have this. Exactly. And it's not like, hey, go play with your friends. Yeah. You know? Um. So yeah, I don't think kids have that opportunity anymore. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I see it at yeah. my school. I mean, you, seriously, you got to pencil in kids to have play dates with their friends, and yeah, that shouldn't be the way it is. Yeah, and like you know, the days of just like you know, I remember just riding my bike down around the corner to somebody's house and playing pickup basketball for three hours, and then that turns into playing football, then that turns into playing stickball or whatever. Oh, yeah. And you know, I think you know us. You know, here we are, the old farts now for the forty-something-year-olds, and uh, we're becoming our dads. And it's just kind of interesting to see now, like our kids. You know, they, they it's just a different generation growing up. You know, and it's really interesting the uh, dichotomy between when we grew up and nowadays so man this old man old. rant is brought to you by geritol yeah no shit yeah no shit no kidding yeah geez so anyway well, we, just we could we could have a whole show talking about yeah. uh youth sports and coaching and parenting. back in my day man yeah i know i don't mean to be al bundy yeah i gotta say the old days of, of that were better than the current days of sports yeah there's there's a lot of good that can be said for having indoor facilities and, and all the training. Oh yeah, hey, on that yeah. and garbage with. Yeah, you know, and that's a great point. The facilities these kids have access to now, absolutely amazing. So from hockey, football, soccer, softball, lacrosse. I mean, it's amazing all the indoor facilities around yeah. Fort Collins now. They've built. Uh, there's three or four indoor baseball facilities now. There's a brand new one over by my house here in Windsor that that play to, or um, power to play. It's basketball and volleyball. Then there's no co volleyball. That's a big center as well. Triple Crown's based up there for baseball. Yeah, Triple Crown is up here, and they run a lot of tournaments out of yeah. state, in state. So that guy has a great, you know, company going. But anyway, just yeah. So anyway, to get back to your point, yeah, doing the baseball thing with the with the little Joey B and uh, getting him going. So, but it's yeah. it's so much fun. And uh, it's good to be back outside and uh, watching the watching the kids play again. So just uh, hope all the Denzians are out there are safe and sound, and all you guys are healthy. And just uh, hopefully we get to enjoy the rest of the summer there. So. Well, yeah. Speaking of healthy, man, what a roller coaster this has been with COVID nineteen. I mean, just when it seemed that things were kind of trending towards getting potentially back to somewhat normal uh, by college football season, we're seeing all these setbacks. You know, now you've got schools like Iowa, Michigan State, and others that are halting their season ticket sales until they know, you know, what kind of ca capacity limitations are going to be placed. And AD Joe Parker has outlined for CSU in particular three different scenarios for fans in the stands. He's come out and said that he fully believes there'll be a, a full football season this fall. However, what he's unsure of is, is what the state mandates are going to be around crowds. So uh, he thought – there were three different scenarios, 25%, 50%, or full capacity. And just the way that things are trending, it just seems really hard to believe that we're going to ever have a full capacity this year. But do you think, I mean, obviously, and he came out and confirmed this, that season ticket, season ticket holders are going to have the first priority, right? They're going to be the ones that are taking care of you. Is there, do you think that's enough to push people that are kind of on the fence about ever buying season tickets to actually buy season tickets? Uh, when they may not otherwise have, 
or do you just think people are so leery of COVID right now that it's just going to offset and there's just not going to be a demand for buying tickets regardless? Yeah, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I mean, with CSU and just kind of the legacy of what, we're, what we've been as a fan base, I, I think, you know, the, the people who already have the season tickets, I think you'll see, I mean, up here, any, you know, living up here, Larimer County, Weld County, there's just a lot of people that just don't wear masks and stuff like that. And there's not yeah. really too much social distancing going on. I don't know what it's like in Parker, Denver. I just, you know, see the news tidbits and I, mm-hmm. you know, I tried, you know, I just don't know what the real picture is with the news and this stuff. But anyway, what I see here in Fort Collins, even Windsor at, at uh, mighty river brewing dude. I mean, their patio is packed. And then the place next to it, all the patios are packed and, you know, nobody's wearing masks and you know i just don't really th- i think people will still go out to the games joel um if, you know especially the cu game obviously that's going to be interesting the way parker handles that because that's going to be obviously the only sellout crowd maybe wyoming would be close but um I, it's going to be a challenge you know but um i think the season ticket holders how many are, of us are there now Eleven thousand. Uh, in the 12s, I think. Yeah. 12,000? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm going to say you know, we can get 9,000, 9,500 per game on that side, on the west side still. I think that would be a good guesstimate. But, I mean, I know the CU game, obviously, like I said, that's going to be really interesting how CSU handles that if they're going to do the social distancing thing. I just don't see how they can do a social distancing thing. The, the monetary loss that they will have or suffer – from that place not being packed for at least one night a year. I, I, dude, I, I heard some, uh, you know, listening to some shows this morning, some of the, these little or mid-major programs, if COVID, you know, obviously keeps going the way it is, there's going to be some financial setbacks and decisions that have to be made. And, I, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but canceling CSU football for the season if, or, you know, the Mountain West or whatever, I don't know if that would be cheaper <laughs> than not having the games at all. Cause you know, you have to you know factor in all the people, the security they bring in, the insurance for games, the, the game day operations. Um, I don't know, man, I, I'm just throwing it out there. I hate to be a Debbie downer. I want to be half glass full, not empty, but um, it's going to be really interesting how CSU handles that. You know, I'll be even more pressed to see how they handle because you know hoops is getting more more popular with some bigger crowds inside Moby. How they're going to handle that with an inside uh, facility? So and volleyball for crying you know, out loud. Mike made Mike made a good point last week when we talked about this, and you know he said that CSU has dealt with financial struggles for since the beginning of time, essentially. And that we'll figure it out. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world for us. I think that the biggest yeah. disappointment for me is we've waited a long time for CU to come here. And to I have personally been waiting and excited about the game day experience of them being here and having a packed crowd. Oh, absolutely. And all the pageantry. Yeah. And, and so if we don't get to experience that to its fullest, that's, that, to me, that's what's going to be the disappointment. CSU yeah. will figure it out. CSU's got money. Uh, in other areas of the university, they're going to be just fine. But yeah. uh, the way, the unfortunate missed opportunity that it could be if some, you know, if we do have these limitations on capacity, is where mm. it just it is where it bums me out. Yeah, and I'm not trying to be a yeah for everybody listening. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just that's just my opinion, my opinion only. I'm the first one that wants the games to happen at Hughes. You know, we're all monet, we're all financially invested in it, emotionally invested in it. 
And uh, I want my kids to say that they saw the game, you know, as yeah. well. Cause I don't, you know, and yeah. uh, you know, my family's excited for it. So I'm, you know, crossing my fingers. Uh, I'm wrong. How about that? So one ahead, of the Mike. things that you asked, will this encourage CSU fans to buy season tickets? No. Yeah. Uh, CSU fans. I mean, they come up with every excuse not to buy every excuse, you know, even we don't have a good team. I'm not going to buy tickets. Yeah. You know, if we do have a good team, then it's, well, you know, it's, I had, there's so many other things to do. I have Bronco tickets. I have a ski pass, you know, it's, they always come up with excuses. I'm kind of interested if they'll include the the three game packages, the mini plans with season tickets, because we might see an uptick in that if they do. Mm-hmm. But as far as season tickets, I don't think there'll be that. Yeah, there'll be that jump right now. You know, right. hopefully I'm wrong. And um, do, do you, you know, guys agree that I, I don't see I don't see how we'll have full capacity? Yeah, I just don't. Especially if I mean, hearing what Joey is saying about you know, and I know Weld County hasn't taken it serious at all. I mean, they're one of the bigger hotspots in the state. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone thinks it's because it's a smaller, smaller towns. They don't have to worry about it. But man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be. It'll be interesting. Yeah. You know, over the years, I've always uh, on Ramation, I've always chirped about do dollar ticket day or dollar ticket night or whatever, just to get fans, you know, in there, not to devalue the product, but just to get fans in the seats, man, or do, do something, you know, I mean, I know it's, you know, here we are uh, a mid major with a brand new, you know, quarter of a billion dollar stadium. And here we are talking here. I am chirping again and just to get butts and seats, you know, and what we need is the man. perfect storm. Like you need. So, so many times we've had these big games where, fans left disappointed or, you know, we packed the house and then fans leave disappointed. We need right now, it's been a struggle to get fans to come. So I kind of agree that do whatever it takes to fill the dang stadium. Shouldn't be a problem with the CU game, but if you can fill the stadium for that game and you come away with a big win, then that's the spark that you need, right? That's the kind of the big, the big game that you need to kind of get fans excited, get them coming back to the next game that may not be the marquee CU game, but it's the next big conference game, right? And so we just it just seems like every time from that, from from way back when to the stew days when we'd have a packed Moby and they just would dump a, a big loss and just it was, a, it was the CSU effect that we always talk about, uh, but. This this is all a different this is all a different scenario. It's all based on are we allowed to have fans there? And uh, regardless, there's a lot of things that need to happen for CSU to take that next step and get people excited about athletics here to buy tickets to keep coming back. And unfortunately, this this COVID nineteen is is being you know it's it's in the way of a lot of aspirations. So uh, I you got to give kudos to what they how they've handled this so far. You know, they've put the student athletes and the staff first. Uh, I, I like that they're, you know, they're, they've got this staggered arrival to campus. So the football team has had three different arrivals for different parts of their team to campus. And they're all, they'd all have to go undergo a health screen and a COVID test before they're allowed to join these voluntary workouts. Then they've got their lifting. They've got the whole weight room basically set up on the concourse at Canvas. So it's all outdoors. 
and then the other thing, so they've got five different steps. So they're all tested for COVID as they return uh, as part of their physical exam. Then they got to complete a daily COVID-19 assessment, symptom assessment, uh, assessment for each workout. And they'll, you know, so they'll be checked for fever and other symptoms. And then the, uh, so the size of the workout groups is limited. The initial phases of the strength and conditioning are, they're all outside. So as, as I said, and then they're, you know, obviously wiping down equipment and disinfecting everything after every use. So I don't think though that CSU is the only program that's taking all these measures. Yet you we're seeing like in the news the last week, you got schools like Clemson, LSU, Texas. I just saw that LSU has 30 players that are either positive tested or they have had close contact with those who have tested positive for COVID. At 30 is a lot of players, man. That's that's basically just less than a third of your team, right? I mean, you yeah. basically mm-hmm. round down to about 100 regular players. So that's about a third of your team. Kansas State just shut down their football workouts for 14 days because they had 14 student-athletes that have tested positive. So there's just going to be the cycle of shutdown, closure, what do we do next? And if a rash of these positive cases keeps happening – you know, just prior to the season, what happens, you know, or, or during the season, what happens when you've got half of your team that that's infected or in quarantine, what do you do? Yeah. You know, that's, that's what's so curious about how this will be handled. Now I know, you know, fortunately, I think governor Polis has, has done a commendable job with uh, handling, handling COVID in, in the state of Colorado. He was pretty quick with the with the lockdowns and and he's been slow but steady on the reopening of the state uh, always updating with guidelines and and when you talk about these some of these other states south carolina you have south carolina you know kansas uh, texas who didn't have that who didn't have that kind of leadership with with the with the lockdowns and and the safety procedures you know coming into it so I think that's one positive that we have going for us is that I don't think that we've had it as much in this state and we are seeing numbers going down. Uh, You know, hopefully that trend continues, but you're right. You know, you look at when it, when someone gets it, I mean, it's a two week quarantine. So what happens in game one, September 5th against CU and 14 kids get it. So what happens? So the next week we go, the next two weeks, you know, you go with 14 players not on the on the squad, you know, or it's almost like Mike. There's going to be a uh, there's going to be a injury report, and there's going to be a COVID report. Like how many people yeah. are out because of a rolled ankle, a high ankle sprain, and how many how many you have in quarantine for the second week because they've they've been in contact with someone or, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know how you deal with that. The other thing that's funny about this is so it's football is a different animal. You've got very specialized positions on the team. Say, say that, say the quarterback gets it, right? What if the quarterback room during meetings or whatever, and all of a sudden you got all your quarterbacks that have, that are uh, affected by this. Then what happens? Oh my God. It's not like soccer where you could just, uh, convert a midfielder into a striker or something it's these these are quarterbacks you know and I can't remember which NFL coach maybe the Eagles 
is already talking about how he won't have his third string quarterback practice with the team for that reason right there. He won't have mm-hmm. him in meetings because if the first two get sick, he'll be, he'll be okay. But then you got to think, so yeah, let's say that, let's say O'Brien gets it. Well, that means he's been touching our center's butt. He's been handing off to all our running backs and he's been throwing it to all of our receivers and tight ends. So do they get quarantined? Right. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I'm glad that I don't get paid to have to figure that out because it's, it's, it's going to be some tough choices. And, and yeah, again, like if, if, if it's a mandatory two week quarantine, but who else gets quarantined? Again, like I said, if, if POB gets it, are you going to put McBride in quarantine too? Cause he caught five balls and a touchdown that game. It's yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I just saw something um, the other day on the Paul Feinbaum show. They had the UAB infectious disease director that said, if only 5% of students who return to college campuses this fall have COVID, they're going to see a widespread transmission on college campuses. So 5% is just a tiny fraction, but that's how that, it spreads so fast, so easily. This, I mean, I could just see you being midstream, mid halfway through the season, and things just getting shut down because it just goes off the rails. You know, and and one of the things that I think that there's so many people that are like, well, all these athletes are 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 testing asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. You know, and and it's not as dangerous. Like, who came out on? World Health Organization came out on Tuesday, said it's rare if they change. And then on Wednesday, they said, okay, well, we were wrong in our wording. It does happen. And you got to think, like, all these players, it's not like somebody's in there probably coughing their lungs out. You know, you look at LSU, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't one guy that was just so sick and had it, and then all of a sudden he gave that to everyone else. It was probably like five five four or five kids that had it wasn't showing any symptoms at all. And now we got 30. And, you know, I I think as someone like Bernard Blake, great kid, star here at CSU, beloved in Green Bay. And he never even played full season, I think, or maybe he, he played as a rookie. But the NFL doctors found a heart defect. Uh, and they have better doctors. How many players – that have like a underlying condition like that. I mean, is it going to take one of these kids dying for us to, I don't know, take it a little more serious. I'm again, I'm glad that I'm not in charge (laughs) that I don't have to make these decisions. So brutal. So, so difficult. So many different factors at play, Joe, I know, I know you got to run, probably running off to practice. Any, any no, yeah, great conversation, guys. Yeah, no, hey, you know, just like I just hope you and your families are all safe uh, during this time. Everybody listening as well, and uh, you know, just really crappy times, but uh, you know, we're all, we're all in it together, and all the other stuff that's going on too. So, um, you guys be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, down the road here. So, thanks for the time, Joel. Okay, Joey Binoco, you take care <laughs> of yourself, bud. All right, guys, have a good night, man. All right. Later, Joseph. All right, bye. All right, let's uh, wrap up this segment. Michael, good stuff so far. We'll be back.
All right, welcome back. This segment is sponsored by Ginger and Baker. Since reopening the cafe, oh. coffee shop, and bakery, they've created plenty of social distancing, distancing space inside and have extended their outdoor seating as well. But what has been extremely popular is their mix and match to-go meals. You can order two, three, or five meals at a time. It gives you the night off from cooking or even the week off from cooking, depending on how many you want to order. All you got to do is pick how many meals you want, including your entree, your salad, your starch, your vegetable side. You can add on a pie, bread, beverages, anything else. And uh, then you just choose your pickup time or delivery and date, and you get to enjoy. Uh, delivery is free within 10 miles. So visit gingerandbaker.com for more information or give them a call at 970-223-PIES. Ginger and Baker is an awesome RamNation.com sponsor. Please support this fantastic Fort Collins establishment. Our guest today, I'm really excited about this and couldn't be more uh, thankful that he's doing this right you now, is CSU Senior Associate at Head Coach and Running Backs Coach uh, who came aboard at C for CSU football with Coach Adazio in January. He's got a fantastic pedigree as a running backs coach. He's coached some really all-time greats, including, including a Heisman Trophy winner. We'll talk about that. He's been coaching for 34 years and has been alongside Coach Adazio at, at previous stops at Florida and Boston College. And since he's been in Fort Collins, this is kind of why we're having him on because he's so great. He's been one of CSU's biggest promoters on social media, and he's been endearing himself to fans. So we're excited to have him, have him on. Uh, he just got off a plane in Boston. And Coach White, thanks for squeezing us in. Thanks a bunch. I liked your uh, hearing about Ginger and Baker. It's one of my favorite places in town. It's a wonderful place. That's great to hear, man. Well, uh, I, I want to hear more about that. I would definitely want to ask you about some of your favorite spots here in a, in a minute. But uh, uh, how was traveling to Boston? What do you got on the agenda while you're back home? Um, traveling was great. It was no problems at all. Very orderly. And people were socially distanced, masked up. And and uh, the airlines were very efficient. And while we're home, we're just going to visit family and friends for a week. That sounds good. So, I mean, Boston is, is uh, Mass you, you grew up in, you were born, grew up in Massachusetts, right? So you had a pretty good situation where you, you were at Boston College the last few years. How, how tough was it to then uproot again and, and head west? Well, it's never easy. Moving's never easy uh, in this profession, but it's part of it. So, you know, I, I, it was, it was great to be at Boston College. We had a, I had five great years there and was able to be around my, both my parents who are 81 years old and, and spend some quality time with them. So I always look at the last half full and the positive sides of it. It was a wonderful five year run for me and coached a couple of great players and really enjoyed it. How, how old are your kids? So you have, you have two kids, Jackson and Cassidy, is that right? How old are they? Yeah. Uh, Jackson is uh, 22, or soon to be 22 in August, and Cassie's 23. Jackson's a GA at uh, South Carolina, and Cassie's working at Colorado State with us. Oh, that's great. I did not know that. That's fantastic. So Jackson will be out there with uh, former CSU head coach, Coach Bobo. Yeah. Yeah. How how, and your wife Sally, how has she been with uh, the transition? Is she she liking Fort Collins so far? Um, yeah, she's she's enjoying it. She's she's actually loving it. She's we, we met in the West Coast, um, so so she's got she really likes the West Coast. 
So Mike and I, one of the things that we loved, and, and you and Mike connected through social media pretty quickly, but you've quickly taken a liking to, to CSU and Fort Collins and all that it has to offer. What have been your impressions so far with uh, the, the campus and, and the, the city? Well, it's just an amazing place. It's, it's beautiful and there's so many things to do. I mean, if you're a college Let's start with my job is to recruit the best football players we can recruit to, to win championships. If you can't like Colorado State, you got problems. I mean, Fort Collins is it's, it's stunningly beautiful. There's tons of things to do outside. There's great restaurants. There's everything that you want in your college experience exists right in Fort Collins. I can't imagine a better place to go to college. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And the people are wonderful and uh, they've really embraced what we're trying to get accomplished. And it's been, it's been awesome. What, what have been some of your favorite places outside of Fort Collins in the state? I know I've talked to you a few times and uh, you, you've gone on some day trips and weekend trips throughout the state. So anything that has really stuck out to you? Yeah, we, we, we were just down at uh, Great Sand Dunes National Park uh, a couple of days ago, down in uh, Moscow or in the Alamos area by Adams State. That was just spectacular. I mean, it was really something else. And um, we, we loved that. And, you know, Grand Junction was really, was really great, great spot to go visit. That's where I met one of my guys who, uh, has a little car wash barbecue place, uh, Scott Krug at uh, Snook's Barbecue. Met him online too and went and visited him. It was awesome. He's got a, he, he's got uh, a car wash, half car wash, half barbecue place. That, uh, <laughs> is that the best? Is, 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 yeah, it's, go get a nice plate of barbecue with, uh, with a car wash. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, how about in Fort Collins? So we'll talk about your own cooking in a bit, but do you have, have you found like any go-to restaurants or, or, or two or three that you, that you've found so far? Well, you, you, you advertise Ginger and Baker. That's one of my favorites, if not my favorite. I mean, I just love going there and the food's great. The desserts are even better. I'm a, I got a sweet tooth, so um, right. they, they get me every time. <laughs> blue, blue agave, I really like. Um, Blue agave we've really enjoyed, and obviously Sunny Lubix is a nice uh, steak joint that we've enjoyed. And haven't got to meet Coach yet, uh, Coach Lubick, but look forward to spending some time and getting to say hello to him. What a wonderful guy! When I, I met him earlier in my career when I was coaching, on uh, recruiting in the West Coast, and he was doing such an incredible job at Colorado State. Any, anything about Fort Collins that, you know, I don't know how much you had heard or researched before you came here, anything you were particularly surprised by or impressed by or? The, certainly the, from a football standpoint, the facilities and stadium are just spectacular. Uh, so that, that was just, a, I was stunned by it. And then just the whole downtown area and, and, and close proximity to Horse Tooth and, and Poudre Canyon and some of these wonderful things that you can do uh, outside. It just makes it just an amazing place to, to be. And the weather's great and sunshine. It's, it's just, it's, 
it's really been awesome. Doesn't doesn't Old Town remind you a lot of State Street? It does. It really does. And there's actually more restaurants in Old Town than there are on State Street. And no disrespect, because Wisconsin's a great place, and State Street's awesome. But uh, I think there's just there's more variety in uh, in, in Old Town than, than there is even on State Street. You mentioned the facilities in in what CSU has going for it. And, and I just want to, you've been to a lot of stops, right? So far in your coaching career, from a facility standpoint, how does it stack up to some other, the other stops you've been, obviously you're not going to compete with the likes of Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Florida, and in those kind of schools, but how does CSU have the, the facilities that can get you into a living room and get you in front of the kind of recruit that you guys want to get to? Absolutely. I, I can honestly tell you these are the best facilities that I've experienced as a coach. When I was at Florida, these facilities are better than what they were at Florida when I was at Florida. Now, Florida's since improved their facilities drastically. These facilities are better than Boston College's facilities when I was at Boston College. Boston, BC is presently upgrading their facilities, but I'll say the same thing about Wisconsin. These facilities are the best facilities that I've been a part of actively. Now, all those places have upgraded their facilities, but in terms of what do you need to win, we have everything we need to win, and, and it's, it's, really, it's, it's really pretty cool. So, Coach, um, we've, been, we've been very active on the recruiting trail uh, during this entire process. I know Joel and I have been on a couple Zooms with, with Coach Adazio, and he has talked about how he likes to do a lot of his recruiting during summer camps. Is this going to be the norm uh, in the way that we go after recruits by hitting them hard, hitting them early, and, and getting those commits in the spring and summer as compared to right before the February uh, signing day? I certainly hope so. I mean, I, we're going to be aggressive, and we, we have been aggressive, and Coach Adesso has done a great job of, of being active with the, with the recruits, and we've got to identify them. We have to target them, and we have to swarm them, and we're, that's what we've done. And, and, and uh, you know, you, you never really know how good your recruiting class is until, they, until two or three years later to see what the productivity is. But, you know, we believe we've got to – a lot of really high quality players that um, that are going to be good fits for Colorado State. Coach, you've had a lot of good running backs during your your career. The marquee of which is probably uh, no question Ron Dane, who won a Heisman Trophy at Wisconsin. You also had some great, you know, Michael Bennett, first round draft pick at Wisconsin. Anthony Bennett, who was also drafted at Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, gosh, you had an embarrassment of riches in Wisconsin, actually. But what, what separates a guy like Ron Dane or those guys from, from other great running backs that you've had? Um, really, the, the great backs that I've had, they have great lower body contact balance, and, 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 and they turn two-yard runs into four-yard runs, four into six, six into ten, and then all of a sudden there's a 40 or a 50 in there. and and uh, that's what Ron had. That's what A.J. Dillon had. That's what most of those great ones that have coached. The, the lower body 
balance and power and contact speed is exceptional. So when you look, I like at those, the guys I have right here. Yeah, yeah I, I really gonna, do. I mean, I think. We, I wanted to ask you about that. Is so is that when you look at our roster now, is the CSU on our current roster have someone who you think can be the guy, or do we even need a guy? Are you going to be more of a by committee team, or does it really depend on year to year? I mean, we've got uh, we've got Marcus McElroy as a senior. You got sophomores Christian Hunter and Jalen Thomas. You got freshman Taiwan uh, Herndon. So when you look at those guys everyone get an equal shot or do you have a guy in mind that could be the guy what would the rotation well like i think it's too hard to really tell but i know i i can tell you this there's some talented guys um you know marcus is the senior with a lot of talent and he's a great guy and and, and, and i've really enjoyed coaching him jalen's really sharp dude and uh, you know uh, you know he wants a really talented young freshman and Tyrese, Tyrese Jackson, I really like. You know, Christian Hunter's got a lot of. I mean, there's enough. There's enough. That my job as a coach is to develop them and get them to play at a high level. Right. And I feel very confident that I'll be able to do that. So CSU in the last several years hasn't been very strong in the trenches. And obviously, you need a good line for for a good rushing game. Do you like what's coming back? Do you think there's something to work with, or what are you anticipating in in 2020 for the running game? Well, we'll be we'll, we'll be able to run the football, and that's what you know. They're going to get very well coached up front. Coach Dazio, both Coach Dazios will do an incredible job there. We'll we'll have a good running attack. We'll we'll be physical, and that's what this program is going to be built upon. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to be fun. Uh, there's, there's, it's, a, it's a good group of guys to work with. And I'm excited to see where we can take them as coaches. And that's what, you know, your job as a coach is to get players to reach their genetic feeling. And that's what we're, we're charged to do. And that's what we're going to do. So as soon as you guys hit the, hit the ground running in December with the recruiting, We've seen a huge refocusing of the state of Colorado. Is this because there's just – and somebody who's coached in the state for a long time, who's taught in the state for a long time, they have a lot of talent in these last few high school classes. But is, is this going to be the, the way that you guys go forward by locking down the state and, and going after everybody – because that's something that we haven't seen in, in the recent past. I, I would say that the, the coach Adazio has said repeatedly to all of us that the starting point is always going to be local Colorado kids. Let's make sure we do a great job in state and know where every kid is and give them an opportunity to come to Colorado State and then go from there and then and move outward to ca uh, California, Texas, Nevada, Utah sprinkling a couple from the East Coast, Florida, and you get your recruiting class. But, you know, you have to have an identity in your state. And, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the mantras we've had is box them in, and that's what we're trying to do. And, and uh, we've worked really hard at it. We've done a good job to date, and I know that we've created great relationships with the high school coaches, and we're going to continue to do that. 
Coach, when you guys came in here and, and you, you probably watched the film of the previous football seasons, studied how things have gone, was there anything that stood out to you where you said, man, if we could just fix this thing or this thing, that we can really turn this thing around pretty quickly? Was there anything that stood out to you? Well, the, the, the number one thing that needed to be fixed was the turnovers on, on offense. And yeah. obviously they threw the ball really well, you know, great receivers and uh, highly productive in that area. And, but uh, there were a lot of turnovers, and, and we have to get that fixed. If we fix that, we'll have a chance to play good defense. We'll have a chance to win a lot of games. Turnovers are the number one factor in determining the outcome of a game, and we have to we have to be the best fundamental team in that area. And if we do, we'll have a chance to win. Turnovers and penalties have plagued us for for a little while now. So that's <laughs> that's uh, I'm glad you pinpointed that. So, coach, you've been at uh, nine different FBS schools: Notre Dame, UNLV, Nevada, Wisconsin, Syracuse, Washington, Florida, BC, now CSU. Coach Adazio called CSU a sleeping giant. How, you, how close do you think CSU is to reaching the next level, you know, of, of becoming a perennial conference contender like Boise State, a team that might, you know, compete to get in a position for a New Year's Six Bowl game every now and then, uh, or even a program that reaches the next level like TCU or Utah? I mean, are, are we close? Does CSU have what it takes to get there at some point, and how close can – are, are we right now? Well, uh, I don't know if those are questions that, that, that I need to answer. They're probably more geared to, to Steve and, and, and the coach of Dazio, but I can tell you this right now, that there's everything here at, at Colorado State, the resources, the recruiting, uh, the school, the, the conference for us to win and for us to be able to achieve all the things that you just mentioned. Uh, they're all they're all very real possibilities. So now our job is to make them reality, and, and it's going to be fun. And if we can get there, to see see how close we can can move this team, this program to to the place where it's capable of, of being. Hey, so so speaking of previous stops, I got I got to ask you. This is just kind of as I was looking at at your history. You spent three years at UNLV, then you left for a year to, to coach wide receivers at Nevada, and then you returned to UNLV the following year. I don't know the history behind that, but those two programs, they don't like each other very much. How did that, how did that uh, <laughs> inspire? That was uh, interesting observation, but that was, uh, that was a lot of fun, but it was, uh, those schools do not like each other, and it was, uh, it was a very contentious uh, year as we transitioned back from Nevada to UNLV um, and then beat them in the championship, for the Big West championship, in, a, in a, just an out, unbelievable football game. One of, my, one of my best memories as a coach was playing Nevada for the, for the Big West championship and beating them in a shootout at, uh, at UNLV and, and giving UNLV the opportunity to – playing their first bowl game in a long time. So as we're talking here, I was just reminded, um, in 2002, you were, you were a coach at Wisconsin at the time, and you were putting a beat down on UNLV, and with about eight minutes left, the power goes out, 
and the game was <laughs> the game was called and 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 I remember the final score was 27 to 7 and I remember that because I was dumb enough to take UNLV in the 7 points <laughs> in a wager and I I had completely chalked the game up as a loss but then the power goes out and all bets are canceled and I remember reading somewhere that the sports books in Vegas had saved themselves a lot of money by not having to pay out the winnings to thousands of Wisconsin fans who had made bets on their trip. And do you remember that night? I mean, do you remember the that, the weirdness of that night? Yeah, I do remember it, and it was it was bizarre. Uh, and the, the Sam Boyd Stadium, really in a remote place in Las Vegas, right. and it, it just was pitch black. So it was uh, it was a little it was actually kind of scary. Um, <laughs> But but the Wisconsin people, I, I, the, the legend has it that they they emptied out all the beer in, uh, on, on Fremont Street in the, on the Strip. So they had a good time. That's good. I, I could see that. I could see that with Wisconsin fans. Well, well, maybe you know, with UNLV moving to the Raiders' new uh, Allegiant Stadium, hopefully they can keep the lights on uh, this year when we. <laughs> yeah, so, that'll well, be fun. I'm looking forward to it. One other uh, question about the past. You were a grad assistant at Notre Dame during the 89 and 90 seasons. That punt return by Rocket Ismail against our hated Buffalo rivals, that was a phantom clip, right? I mean, that, that didn't really happen. Uh, I mean, anyone who watches it, all you have to do is look, watch it. It's a, it, was a, it, was, it was criminal. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that was... Unbelievable return, and, and they 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 got a nice call, that's for sure. But uh, I was actually there '88 and '89, so the '88 season we won the national championship, which was a great experience. And then the '89 season had another great year, and we finished off playing. I, I was there for the '89 season when we beat Colorado in the bowl game. And then yeah. the 90 was the season that Rocket had the uh, punt return. So I actually yep. wasn't there for that, but I watched it. So CU benefited from a fifth down and a phantom clip call to win part of a national championship. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So, uh, it's, so Coach Adazio, we've talked about him a little bit. You've, you've been with him at a couple different stops. What kind of a coach is he? What is it like to coach under him? And what can we expect from him and this team? Well, he's a, he's a really honest, upfront, direct guy who loves to coach and uh, loves to get involved with his players and, and, and he's going to coach toughness. I mean, we're going to be a tough physical football team and, and year in and year out, you're going you're gonna to see a group of guys who are going to come to work every day and they're going to work hard and and uh, really play football the way it's supposed to be played and, and be great ambassadors of the game as well. Uh, Mike, anything else uh, before we get into a little cooking talk? Um, so, Coach, just <laughs> I, I've seen a couple of, uh, of your tweets talking about Brian Calhoun, great running back that season in, in Wisconsin. But you do realize where he went before, right? <laughs> I do, yeah. So, so, so there, so there's a few, there's a few CSU fans that might not appreciate those, those tweets <laughs> as much. <laughs> uh, former Buff, yeah, uh, yeah, he's a great, he was a great Badger. He's a great Badger. 
you know, he, let me tell you something, that year he had and my last year coaching at Wisconsin was, was Brian's uh, junior year. He went to, the, went to the Lions after that. What, what a year he had. Just ran for over 1,500 yards, 50-something catches. For, I mean, he was spectacular. You know, Coach, before I, I do want to, we want to talk about uh, your cooking prowess, your grilling prowess, but um, you did go to Harvard and you played quarterback at Harvard. You tell, what is it like as a student athlete at an Ivy, Ivy League school like that? Tell me about your experience there. <laughs> well, I'll sum it up by this. We played, we played uh, Yale and the game was over at like four o'clock. I went to the dining hall and I'm standing in line getting some food after the game. And one of the, one of the students said, Hey, did you go to the game today? And I said, yeah, said, what a hell of a game that was, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> so perspective, 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 but uh, put everything in great perspective for a very humbling place. That's for sure. And, uh, and, but I enjoyed every bit of it. It was great. And where's your Boston accent, by the way? I don't really detect a big one. I get washed away with some of the stops that have gone, yeah, on throughout the country. So right, it's like the tide that goes in and out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so I'm sure if you're there for a week, we'll probably be hearing it next, uh, next, next Thursday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, so Mike and I rehashed this a little bit last week on our on our podcast, but your Rocky Mountain Ram burgers looked phenomenal. And I've been meaning I got to try the recipe. I got to fire them up. But, you know, I think that now we keep getting feedback about our podcast. We've only been doing this podcast for a couple of months now, but uh, we keep getting the feedback that they love hearing the, the cooking and the grilling talk because Mike's not bad himself. Uh, so I know that you you get a lot of great traction on social media about about your your cooking and your grilling what what tips do you have and i'm a cut more of a novice but do you have any tips for a, a a novice like me for upping my grill game for cooking burgers and steaks you know i learned a little bit about putting uh uh soaking my my italian bread and milk and putting that into my my <laughs> burger patties and putting a little dimple on the top of the burger what else you there got there you go me? Okay, a couple simple, simple ingredients that will, will guide you through almost anything you cook. Garlic is Got key. It. Okay. And anything with barbecue, just throw a ton of brown sugar around it and it'll work. It'll, it'll, it'll hide any mistake you make, brown sugar. Wow. So, Wouldn't think of yeah. that. Okay. Olive oil and garlic and most other things, but... but uh, Brown brown sugar is absolutely the key to everything else I do. It, it, when in it, doubt, when in doubt, throw some brown sugar in there. Explain okay. to Joel, throw it on steaks. Explain to Joel the importance of a pellet of a pellet grill smoker. He, he well, the importance of the pellet grill is yeah, you can control the temperature. You, you, you don't have to worry about anything, but the the, the temperature stays at such a consistent. All you're doing is creating an oven outside. And, it makes it really the cooking really consistent. So, so your your Rocky Mountain burger recipe, that was uh, one of the first things you posted, and then you just did a video with Safeway. How did that uh, partnership with Safeway come about? Um, Kyle uh, Kyle worked that out. Kyle Neves, uh, 
communications director worked out, that out and they wanted to do a couple of shows and I and there's one coming out here soon some uh, cedar plank salmon and then we're going to do a couple other recipes probably a little uh, penne vodka sauce Ooh. and some pasta and do some Italian stuff well, so it'll be, it'll be good safe ways to CSU sponsor Michael yep I knew that, <laughs> I knew that. So, so coach, what's your, what's your go-to on the grill? If you had to do one thing, what, what, what is that going to be? Oh, well, one thing I'd, I'd, I'd do a nice New York strip with uh, brown sugar and coffee rub on the steak. Real simple, brown sugar, coffee, salt, pepper, throw it on the steak, throw it on the grill. It's unbelievable. So is it so just you, coffee grinds and brown sugar? You just yeah, co- yeah, coffee, coffee grounds, brown, su- coffee grinds, brown sugar, salt and pepper. Oh, throw so it you, on your steak. Do you do you grill that or do you do you smoke and then do the uh, re- re- uh, okay? Good, sugar? good question. I, I smoke it for forty five minutes, and then I then I reverse sear it for the past, for the last five minutes on each side. So the last ten minutes, I'll I'll sear it so you get the nice nice look on it but i'll smoke it for 45 and then sear it at the end so i just i just did a coffee brine with uh with a london or with a uh tuck roast and that was pretty good but i'm gonna have to try the coffee and brown sugar that sound that sounds good yeah yeah you'll love it your stuff's great man i mean i i don't need to i don't need to tell you anything everything you throw on that Everything you post out there is like, holy cow, you just want to eat it. I got to tell you, you, I mean, when you and and Coach Cronin had the the rib off, uh, gosh dang, that was, what was that, the first weekend of of lockdowns, pretty much? Yeah, it was, was, yeah. You know, you you guys inspired me, so I, you know, I started having to try to up my game uh, during this time. But it's been fun. It's been fun seeing what you guys have done and and uh, what you're doing and, and watching your videos. So definitely appreciate that. <laughs> well, it, it, it's fun, and, and and that's what the whole intent is to to try to expose people to some other sides of what coaching's all about and and, and things that interest that interest me outside of football. And and it's it's, it's it's a lot of fun, and there's been a lot of positive feedback, particularly from players. That's why you that's why you do it, and and uh, I've enjoyed it. So, so somebody we 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 actually posted on on Ram Nation on the on the forum uh, questions, and somebody asked, "Have you ever smoked a bologna chub or spam?" I have not. And the answer to that would be no, but it would certainly be interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, you know, I've always, I, I, I've seen, uh, I have seen on a couple barbecue shows uh, doing barbecue bologna. So I've always, always wanted to try it. So just w- w- uh, definitely curious if you had, had, had done that before. Well, you've done spam at not. the Hawaii football games as, as part of your, uh, your theme tailgate, Michael. Yes, yeah, I have done spam the last two times Hawaii's came to uh, Fort Collins. Uh, last time we did bacon wrapped spam bites, 
and then the time before nice. just grilled spam so <laughs> spam sliders spam sliders yeah okay. those bacon wrapped uh spam bites were pretty good but i think anything covered in bacon is good <laughs> yeah bacon bacon would be my third ingredient just throw bacon on anything and it's going to turn out okay my so, this year, Michael, don't forget to throw a little brown sugar on your, your spam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so any, any go-tos yeah. you're going to go, uh, hit up this week in Boston? You know what? I don't really know what's open right now, so I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to figure that out. But I'll just do a lot of cooking with my dad. That's really what I like. I, I got my my love for cooking from my, my dad. He's, he's a great cook, so... We're just gonna we'll, we'll cook together, and I'm sure you'll see a couple of things. You get uh, some soft shell lobster, lobsters. Yeah, we'll we'll do that once, just once. Can't do too much lobster, <laughs> but it, it'll be fun. One other question from the masses here: uh, Impossible burgers are they burgers or not? What what burgers? Impossible. So like the uh, the vegetable burgers, not not the real meat patties. Like, like oh burgers. no, you know what? That's an interesting question, but I've I, uh, I, I made uh, I've 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 done a vegetable burger before, and not not up my alley, but it was actually good. Black bean, it was a black bean one with some sour cream. It was it was actually pretty good. Wouldn't be my go-to, but you know what? Everyone <laughs> everyone has their little niche. Right. Well, Coach, this has been a lot of fun. It's great to see this other side of you. Really enjoy following you on social media and, and all of uh, all that you do for CSU so far. And uh, really looking forward to meeting you this fall. And hopefully things work out with the football season and, and full stadium and, and all that. And and a big victory over our, our arch rival CU Buffaloes in Canvas Stadium on September 5th. All righty. Well, I look forward to it and appreciate you guys. All right, thanks for joining us as you're traveling there, bud. Thanks a bunch. All right, have fun in Boston. All righty, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that's segment number two. We will be back with one more segment as Mike and I wrap it up and talk about uh, the latest news on our Around the Horn segment. We're back with our final segment of Ram Nation Radio. Our thanks to Coach Brian White. That was pretty fun. Fun talking to him about his perspective as a new CSU football coach here. He's just been on campus for six months, uh, as well as to talk about uh, some some cooking stuff. That was cool to see you, Mike, and uh, and him talk talk at a deeper level than I ever could. But uh, hey, this this final segment is brought to you by Mighty River Brewing Company. They're open, obviously, and uh, they've got rules in place to keep everybody safe. Uh, they're operating at 50% capacity, although Joey kind of said in our first segment that that uh, their patio has been packed. That's because they're very popular. Uh, but they got their beers flowing. They got some new uh, beers that they've released during this quarantine, the Wicked Awesome New Zealand Hazy IPA, the Raspberry Margarita Sour, and the Little Rivers Pilsner Lager. All three are just uh, light and crispy for the summer months. Awesome. And of course, uh, they've got their regular rotation of food trucks. So while you're there, you can get food. They've got next door, the Pizza Vino. 
We can get any of their pizzas brought to you. Pretty awesome setup that, that uh, owner Dan Miller has going over there in Windsor. He's a big time CSU fan and a donor, long time Ram Nation since basically day one. So please support him and Mighty River Brewing Company. Those guys and Ginger and Baker are what keep us going, Michael. So I got to tell you, these guys need to, uh, you know, we always have a, a, a few drinks during this. We're, we're a lot more laid back with our podcast style. Yes, so we, we need some we need some ID River to sample during these uh, these podcasts. So so guys, uh, uh, I would love to try that sour. Dan, we're gonna we're gonna come up and bring some growlers home of that. And we are definitely we've already got some. We're in talks to uh, set up a, a Ram Nation event this fall. So uh, we will once we have more more details and plans around that, we will let everybody know. But that'll be cool to see all you Ram Nationers and hang out and drink some great beer at uh, Mighty River. And the cool thing, their tailgate is right across the grass area from our tailgate. So they, they're where the old health center is at. They're just on the other side of the grass, uh, their yep. RV uh, compared to our RV. So, yep. Great, great guys, man. I mean, you're going to get behind CSU folks that, uh, Put out a good product. This is who you need to, to support. So, I, I sat with them at the BC game. I mean, obviously had drinks with them after, but yeah, I I, uh, I was with them. I you know I've met them. They go to a lot of the way trips, and yeah, definitely good people. So, yep. Seems like our our listeners are hitting it up, according to Joey. That's right. All right, well, for our final segment, uh, this is our around the horn segment. We'll talk about a few of the prominent. CSU, Mountain West, or college football, college athletics-related news stories. Mike, there was a, a really actually uh, after the Kisla freaking garbage fest last week, there was a really good uh, recruiting story that the Denver Post put out, and it talked about CSU's recruiting success that they've had this year. And they interviewed uh, 24-7 sports recruiting analyst Blair Angulo, and he made a really good point about uh, how the playing field has kind of been leveled with schools like CSU. I mean, since nobody can have recruits visit due to the pandemic, you know, where in other years CSU would be, you know, for CSU it would be difficult to connect with some, some of the recruits and, and attract, you know, on-campus visitors. You know, the current pandemic situation has allowed everybody to be level. You know, you can reach out to anybody. You can get anybody on the phone. You can get anybody to do a Zoom call. You know, and the article also noted that in the first three weeks, so in the last three weeks of June, CSU has earned twice as many commits as the entire front range schools combined. CU has four. Wyoming doesn't have any. So it's nice to see us locking them out so far. Air Force has six. Adazio, you know, in the article, he said that he estimates they've probably broken down uh, more than uh, the film of more than 350 prospects since coronavirus shut down travel. So it's, you know, it's what you do. You sit in front of your computer, you watch film and uh, they've, they've basically created their recruiting target list and contact list based on that. And what they, you know, the highlight, the people they've highlighted out of those 350, a couple other details out of this article is as of June 20th, 24 seven sports track CSU with 19 offers out to, to Colorado prospects in the class of 2021. Over the previous six recruiting cycles, 
CSU has only extended offers to an average of 12 in-state kids. You know, by comparison, CU had 12 op offers out to Colorado prospects in the class of 2021, which is their most in a single cycle since 11 in, in 2017. And from 2015 to 2020, the Buffs offered scholarships to an average of eight in-state prospects per class. So um, this is, Colorado is a state that none of us have really mined very well in recent years, but we've, we've talked about this uh, week after week. And Coach White talked about how this has been a focal point, you know, just in the last segment. But uh, to see what we're doing in state and to see us being very aggressive and to see us not really flinching with all the changes and not being able to be in in people's living rooms and not being able to have camps it's 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 kind of exciting to see the success that they're having in the short time that uh this staff has been here yeah you know and we talked about it you know one of the earlier podcasts how you know we we try not to get too excited about about recruiting and and yeah. you got to take everything with a grain of salt uh with it but it's fun like and and it's is given the fan base, something to engage with something that we haven't had in the past. And, and especially something that we haven't had the last three or four months, basically since March 13th is any kind of, any kind of sports. And so having this has, you know, it really hasn't uh, reinvigorated the uh, CSU faithful. You know, one thing that coach Medved brought up last week is, he he obviously prefers in face and, and every coach everybody does you know i you know i'd rather be somewhere with you right now doing this podcast live as as opposed to on zoom but i think one of the ways that it is leveling the playing field as as you talked about from the article is i think this the players are getting to know the coaches better you know when you go when you go on a recruiting trip it's easy to you know, you, you, you go to uh, Wisconsin and you see the Heisman Trophy and you, you, you see Camp Randall, you go to Lincoln and, and you walk into Memorial Stadium and, and their, their Heisman room is unreal. And you go in the locker room and, and, and the workout facilities, like, you know, even as nice as our stuff is, we don't, we still don't have that kind of stuff. And so a kid, you know, and I'm not saying that, uh, that we're recruiting against Wisconsin and, and, and Nebraska, but when you see a kid that comes to a, a G5 school for a recruiting visit and, and then does the same thing at a Power 5 school, they're going to see more toys at the Power 5 school. I mean, it's just, it's just how it is. They, they, have more, they have more stuff, <laughs> you know. It's like if you go to Cherry Creek and hang out with Cherry Creek kids, you're going to – like Joel was, you're going to have more stuff than if you hang out with a kid from Walsh, you know, it's just, they're richer. I mean, that's just how it is. You're such a jerk. But, but, it, but it's kind of the truth when, you know, when you go to a power five school, they, they have more toys. They're going to walk out 800 uniforms. They're going to, you know, they're going to show this and this and this, you know, compared to, you know, a G5. But when, when you're recruiting on, on a zoom, you really are just talking face to face. I think again for the for the players, I, I think they get a more personal connection, especially since everything they do is through Snapchat, Snapchat, and TikTok, and IG. You know, it's. It, I mean, this literally is social media for them. This is how they live their life, and 
I, I really think it is going to, at least for this cycle, you know, level that playing field. I just saw, and these are our neighbors to the east, but uh, UNC, they're going to discontinue their men's and women's tennis programs this year due to the COVID-19 related budget constraints. And I, you're starting to see this across the country. And, you know, CSU, we're already at the minimum number of sports. We can't drop any at our FBS level. But the ripple effect, I think, across the country for college athletic opportunities is being slashed. It's going to be slashed big time for not, not necessarily football, basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, but for all the other sports, which sucks. I mean, I, I was affected by the baseball being dropped at CSU and it's uh it's very unfortunate. It's going to take a long time for a lot of these, these programs across the country to bring those back. I mean, it's, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of kids without opportunities for college athletics. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be, you know, a, a game changer across NCAA. And yeah, it it sucks when any kind of program gets cut. You know, I I know I've joked about receiving a recruiting letter from CSU as a, a junior in high school and them cutting the program two months later, probably because they were recruiting me. But it's almost like this is something that kind of needs to happen. There's just so much spending like at the upper level, again, like, like I just talked about with the power fives, you know, we spend 220 million on a new stadium. CU spends 150 on a practice facility, you know, that, that that's only going to be used for practice, not for zero revenue coming right. from that. You right. know, you look, I mean, you seriously, you look at, at what these, these power five schools spend, you know, firing a coach, you know, you have, so, I mean, again, looking at CU, how, I mean, they're still paying how much to McIntyre? Uh, I think they just stopped paying Embry and, and Barnett. Barnett. You know, the, and I think that's, I mean, someone talked about Michigan, University of Michigan's going to, is looking at a like $20, $20 million shortfall with their budget. How much is that just is just ridiculous spending to try to keep up with Ohio State? All this sucks, and and I don't want you know being a coach for so long, being a being a high uh, high school elementary teacher for so long. I don't want I don't want students to miss out on those opportunities, you know. But at the same time, like maybe maybe this helps a, a refocus of of you know the importance of of having a student athlete, not having athletes that are students, but putting the onus back on true student athletes. Here's another one. Uh, this is all related to COVID, but you and I have talked about the potential financial doom that athletic departments will face, you know, if the football season was canceled or shortened. But I just read something that was pretty eye-opening. Think about it in terms of cities like Tuscaloosa, where you and I have been. There's not much else there, right? Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a college town with nothing else to do and during the fall that is the huge draw right there's it brings an incredible amount of revenue to the city i just read a, a story that said their their mayor projected his city could see a two billion dollar loss billion with a b loss if football is not played this this fall basically said it would be 
economically catastrophic for Tuscaloosa if there's no football season. So, you know, oh, I, would, I, I would venture to say that, it, you know, it's not just Tuscaloosa. I mean, it's all across the SEC. Big 12 has got a lot of those kind of towns. Big 10, um, maybe not necessarily a Mountain West kind of thing. It's not these, – these cities don't rely on well, tourism they, or people. They always talk from. about in Lincoln how Memorial Stadium's the third largest city in the on game day. On game day. Right. You know, and, and, you know, being the games there, like that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough on how, on how all this is structured. And like we talked about in that first segment, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the one in charge, you know, that I'm getting paid to figure this out because I, I just don't know an answer to it. Well, kind of to wrap it up, it, on CBSSports.com, Dennis Dodd had a column recently and he was talking about how every time we see a report about new cases, and especially like we talked about this in segment one, where the Clemsons, the LSUs, the Texases are all having huge amounts of cases and shutting down. Every time, there's got to be a point where we start becoming a little bit numb to it, where we see that and we're like, okay, well, we know there's going to be risks. Um, they had, he, he cited a, he had a quote from a unnamed Power 5 AD that said, one of two things is going to happen. We either get medical advancement or people have to get to the mindset that they don't jump every time that they see a case count. And uh, they had another guy that they quote is, you know, if, if w will we have a death or someone becomes so sick that they can't play ever again, you know, is that going to be the deciding factor of whether football is shut down for a year? Um, is one death okay? You know, I mean, think about the number of football players there are across the country. What, how many are there in Division One alone? 112 schools. Each of them have 100. And, you know, if you don't count the how many scholarships, 100. Uh, then you got an additional walk-on groups. Let's so just say 130 yeah. times. You know, you've got 130,000 plus kids. I and mean, could someone die? Is that going to be acceptable? You know, so it's um, I, I think that, you know, as as things continue to evolve here, it's almost like I, I'm fearing the, the season's in peril. <laughs> and what well, you know, you look at you look at because there have been deaths, you know, in football. And, you know, usually I mean, almost all of them are, are heat related or, or right. a hidden ailment. Again, for me, it's not it wouldn't be worth it. You know, again, you look at these kids and, and their kids. The kids that are playing for our entertainment, and and I, I love cheering for them, and you know I, I love getting to know them, and and talking to them. You know we talked last week about with with Coach Medved about how awesome, you know the players are with with the fans, and you know that's what it's about. And no, it wouldn't be worth it losing one of those. To me, it wouldn't be worth it losing one of those kids. Again, yeah, there's there's going to be risks. There's always risks in everything. You know, I'm tired of hearing, well, you, you know, you can die driving to, to the grocery store. Well, yeah, you could. I, I mean, I get that. It's a, it's a difficult situation, and we do have a few months. Hopefully, there are some, you know, medical advancements. Hopefully, teams are taking this serious as far as, as ch checking and, and isolating players if they do come down with it. And, and you know, one thing that, that worries me is – those coaches that are, and this has been the history of coaching, telling kids to suck it up. 
you know, you're okay. Like you don't need it. You don't need to check and You know, it's just a cold. You're fine. So I would, I would hope that that's not happening in this day and age. I, I, I know, I know. Me too. I mean, I really do. Michael, this was great. Uh, it's great talking to you. Great to have Joey B back on, and uh, great talking to Coach White. Yeah, it's great. Good time. Good time. Well, I want to thank uh, you guys. I want to thank Coach Brian White. I want to thank our listeners and thank our sponsors, Ginger and Baker and Mighty River Brewing Company. It's been and, a pleasure. And our unofficial sponsor, uh, Malort, Jetson's Malort. When are they going to become an, an actual official sponsor, Mike? So I reached out to them last week. I still haven't heard anything yet. So hopefully soon. All right. Well, let's uh, hopefully in a, a week from now, we'll have some progress to report. All right. Thanks, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Go Rams. Go Rams.